This is All the Right Marketing, a publishing podcast by Cardinal Rule Press. On this episode, Maria is joined by a special panel to discuss literacy in celebration of National Literacy Month. This audio comes from a virtual conference originally recorded on September 8th. Now, here's your host. Hi, everyone. My name is Maria Desmondi, and I am the publisher at Cardinal Rule Press. So I am going to share with you some amazing creative individuals today, and we're going to talk about literacy in celebration of National Literacy Month. So this is September, you're back in school, whether you're in a building or you're in your home, you are 100% reading and writing at some point throughout your day. And so I thought it would be really fun to talk with some different readers and writers, authors and illustrators, to talk about their experiences as a child, reading and writing, their inspiration for creating their books and their images. And so with us today, we have four different creatives and we're going to begin by having them introduce themselves. So again, my name is Maria Desmondi and I'm going to pass the mic over to Anita Amin. You can take about um, two to three minutes to introduce yourself and feel free to hold up those books. Go ahead, Anita. Hi, I'm Anita Amin. I live in Florida. Um, I'm a mom of twins who just started fourth grade. And I'm a former IT manager turned children's book writer. Um, Mostly I write uh, STEM uh, chapter books and level readers uh, for the education market. And some of my new books um, that have come out are, uh, is it a dolphin or a porpoise? And is it a turtle or a tortoise? So they're part of the Look Like um, series um, that Capstone uh, does. But I also write a lot of diverse fiction um, chapter books and picture books and short stories. And my uh, picture book, Raja's Pet Camel, The Magic of, Magic of Hope is set in India and it's illustrated by Parwinder Singh and published by Maria's company, Cardinal Rule Press. So thank you for having me here today. Absolutely. Let's go ahead and move on to Carrie. Carrie, please introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. Um, My name is Carrie Finnison, and I'm a picture book author. Um, I live in Massachusetts, and I have two kids who are, one is going into 11th grade, and one is going into 7th grade. They start tomorrow, so uh, we have a kind of a late start here in Massachusetts, but um, I love to write books that are fun to read aloud. I love writing in rhyme um, or just playing with words. Um, Two of my books that came out recently um, are this one, Dozens of Donuts, which is about a bear um, who's uh, making donuts to get ready for hibernation. And this book is written in rhyme. Um, And then this book called Don't Hug Doug, which is about a little boy named Doug who doesn't like hugs and he's trying to communicate that to the people that he meets. Um, so I just, I really like to write books that um, that help uh, an adult reader and a child reader kind of share a moment and maybe spark some conversations between them. Um, I always really loved reading aloud to my kids and I loved reading when I was young. So um, I kind of wanted to help even more people enjoy that. 
Fantastic. Thank you for the introduction. And teachers and families who are tuning in, I will tell you that Don't Hug Dog is a fantastic book, especially now um, with how things have changed. Our social interactions have changed as well. So I feel like it couldn't have come at a better time. Thank you for that, Carrie. All right, Tyler, welcome to our group today. Hello, hi everyone. Um, my name is Tyler Fenner, and I am uh, an illustrator turned author illustrator. So this is my first children's book uh, written and illustrated by me. It's called Bodies Are Cool. And um, it's all about how the diversity in bodies is what makes them really special. Um, it, the illustrations have lots and lots of different kinds of bodies all throughout the book. And uh, it's aimed for preschoolers. And what I really wanted to do with the book was to capture that moment when kids are very young and they still think that if someone's really big or really small or has really different hair, that that's cool. And um, that's what makes the world beautiful. And I think that we can start to lose that feeling as we get older. Um, so the book is for kids, but it's also for their parents to hopefully absorb some of that message as well and start to feel a little better about their bodies and less judgmental about bodies around them. Oh, Tyler, what a wonderful introduction. I have to tell you that I actually um, tested this book out on my own seven-year-old because we read your book for story time at bedtime. And there were so many questions that came up about bodies that it ended up being a two-night story. We had wow. to we did. We had to bring it back. And then by night two, he was picking out bodies that looked like mine. And I was like, okay, oh, thank you. That's so sweet. <laughs> I'm going to accept that. Um, thank you. And so it was really great for questions and for talking about diversity. And then we went into a whole topic above and beyond bodies. Um, so thank you so much for that. And Tyler, I do want to come back when we're talking later on about how you are an illustrator turned author. I want you to dig a little bit deeper into that for us a little bit later because I think a lot of the children listening can really connect to that. All right, Jane, you are next. Please introduce yourself. Okay, hello everyone. I'm Jane Porter and I'm in London in the UK. Um, and just like Tyler, I'm also an illustrator turned author. So I've, um, I've written books and I've illustrated them and I've written and illustrated them. So I've done all the different permutations, which is quite nice. Um, what else can I tell How you? How long have you been doing this, Jean? Uh, about 10 years. Excellent. And yeah, like, like um, some of the other author illustrators here today, I did do something else first. I was uh, I used to work on magazines about gardens. So that was that was my completely different job first. And I wrote articles about gardens. But now I've got quite a few. I'll just hold up a few books because some of these I don't think are available in America. But I'll just quickly show you. So this is my latest one, Tiny Penguins and the New Baby, Excellent. which is written new, and illustrated. New okay. baby book. And King Otter and then Pink Lion. That's definitely in America. That's one I that was my first one I wrote and illustrated. Um, this is one I've illustrated, a couple that I've illustrated, and then So You Want to Be an Owl is a non-fiction book that's um, available with Candlewick in the US, and The Boy Who Loved Everyone, 
And the interesting thing about this is because this is, if anyone's seen the American edition, it's the boy who loved everyone in huge writing and everyone is small, but the UK one, everyone is big and loved is small. I don't know why, but I thought that was quite a funny <laughs> They thing. put an emphasis on different words. And for those of you who are curious which books are available in the US, we will be sending out an email tomorrow and it will have a link to the books that are, are available here in the US. Um, so if you're interested in that, you can click on those links and it'll take you to where books are sold. Thank you so much. So listen, we have these amazing women, female creators, and now we're going to talk a little bit about the child that you used to be. So I want to talk, make a connection to the children listening. What were you like as a reader or a writer when you were a child? So I can go ahead and begin by sharing that um, as a child, I loved to write. And unfortunately, I didn't love every piece of writing in school, but those pieces of writing helped me so that when I went home from school, I was able to write in my journal. And I have 23 completely filled diaries at my house right now from the time I was in kindergarten all the way until now, because I still, because I still do write in a diary. And so I'm able to go back in those diaries and able to see my thoughts and my experiences as a child. And what I loved most about that literacy piece for me when I was your age in elementary school is when I had a really, really bad day and I came home and my mom was busy cooking dinner and my dad was at work and my sister was a teenager, busy doing teenager things. I could go in my journal and I could share my feelings and it would make me feel better. And so as a child, that was really what I loved is in, as far as reading and writing goes is my favorite piece was being able to get my feelings out in my journals. So ladies, is that, do any of you wanna share what you were like as a child in regards to either reading or writing? I, I can, I can uh, share. I know, um, I can't remember when I first started writing, but I remember always reading. Yeah, I all I, I read constantly. And actually one teacher, I remember when I was little commented, she said, I have never seen anyone carry so many books before <laughs> because I would just carry stacks of books <laughs> everywhere I went. Like some kids have, you know, stuffed animals, you know, and they're blankies. I, I carried books, I guess. <laughs> but um, but I, I remember always reading. And then as I got a little older, some of my books like Anne of Green Gables and Little Women, the main characters were writers and I really connected with them. Um, and I just, I started writing and I, my sisters and I, I remember we had a contest. It was like, it was a, you know, cliche stormy, dark and stormy night. And uh, we had a contest and we said, okay, let's see who can write a book, the, you know, the fat, the fastest or, you know, first. And, um, and ever since then I've, I've been writing. So it, it, yeah, I think definitely before I became a writer, I was, I was always a reader and still am. And do you still read, Anita? Yes, all the time. I, I read everything, picture books, chapter books, to study and also for fun. And then, um, you know, in, in fiction, adult books also. Fantastic. Anyone else, Carrie, Jane, or Tyler, would you like to share any childhood experiences? I was, uh, when you said Anne, I was holding up my Anne of Green Gables because I have some of my favorite books on the shelf behind me. And um, this was one of my favorites when I was younger. Um, I loved, I liked to read, but I was a big re-reader. 
right? So I would uh, have I would have new books that I would read, but I would always come back to certain books and reread them over and over and over again. And so this was one of them, Anne of Green Gables. And I have a couple more. Um, oh, like this one, Frog and Toad was one of my favorites. And this was actually my book. You can see my name here in the in the thing from 1977. I got this as a gift for my birthday <laughs> from my next door neighbor. And um, I loved also looking at pictures in books. Like I had this, What Do People Do All Day by Richard Scarry, which is like tons of pictures. Um, so I love to read and reread books over and over again. And I think it was because rereading is kind of comforting. Like the book almost becomes your friend and, and you feel like um, connected to it. And also I think it kind of tunes your ear to certain types of language, right? So you're really learning that how the sentences flow and stuff um, really well when you reread books. Um, I was not a huge writer. I mean, I liked writing in school and I, I always, my teachers always said that I was good at it. Um, but what I did love to do was to type on my dad's typewriter, <laughs> which was super fun um, because this was like before computers and, and stuff like that. So a typewriter was a way that you could type and it would just come out on a piece of paper and it looked done. It looked like it was official and it was a story. And, you, and then I would take out the paper and like illustrate the paper. And and um, so I would write some little stories that way. But they were never more than like one page because I didn't want to have to like, you know, put another piece of paper in the typewriter. So <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. I love that. And Jane and Tyler, if either of you have a story or we can move on to... Um, our next agenda topic. Well, what, what Kerry was saying reminded me that I used to have a typewriter as well. And with my sister and our friend across the road, we used to make a magazine. So we type all these articles for the magazine and we had a sheet of carbon paper so we could make two copies. Two <sighs> that was the print run. So I used to love doing that. And also just picking up on what you were saying about diaries. I've been keeping a visual diary for seven years. It's a comic diary. Um, hang on. Are you going to show it to us? Yeah, I can show it to you. So this is the current volume. And I just do little kind of, you know, my whole life is in there in comic form. And when you said you've been keeping one since you were little, I thought, what an amazing gift. I so wish I'd started this earlier. Oh and um, just a message to everyone that's watching, start a diary now. Don't put it <laughs> off. You'll be so glad later. Because I, I really like just looking back and thinking, oh, what did I do this time last year? If I could do what did I do this time 30 years ago, that would be amazing. Isn't that neat? And you know, sometimes when I look back on the diary, I see things that I was worried about and that I was able to overcome. So it's really neat to be able to see like the mm. beginning, middle and, um, you know, adult. Exactly. Your, your own life, everybody's life is full of story arcs and you're just not aware of it at the time. It's kind of within with hindsight. Everything's there. And yeah. And so for those of you who are drawn more to illustrations, I think Jane gave a beautiful demonstration of what you can do. So thank yeah, you. Just just draw, draw pictures and write little speech bubbles and there's your diary started. So Tyler, let's talk to yes. you about, I want to know what did you do before you, what, what kind of illustration got you inspired to write? Like what were you doing in illustration? Uh, well, as a kid, I really loved, I don't know if any of you know these books, they're called Amelia's Notebook um, by Marissa Moss. And they're in the format of 
like a composition notebook. I don't know um, these. All the text is like written like handwriting and there are tons and tons of illustrations as if it's like, I think the, the main character who's writing in the notebook is maybe like nine years old. And I was around the same age when I read them and I just loved them so much. And I would always try to make my own notebooks where I was drawing little pictures in the margins with arrows pointing to them and explaining what they were. And I could never sustain it for very long. I mostly like just drawing pictures in general. I was always drawing in school. Um, and I had a teacher who uh, had to scold the class in elementary school because they were all asking me to draw things for them. Ah! And it didn't bother me because I loved drawing. So I had no problem with drawing whatever anyone wanted me to draw. Um, that's a great story. They're commissioning your artwork before you were even <laughs> not paying me. But <laughs> I didn't care. Getting to draw was the payment. <laughs> so Tyler, before you came out with the book, Bodies Are Cool, were you able to um, do work in your career with illustration? Yeah, I, um, I illustrated uh, a few books and then I wrote a uh, graphic memoir that's for young adult, uh, that's all written and illustrated um, by me. And so this was my first children's book and it was a very fun departure. My graphic memoir was um, about my mom dying when I was young. So it was a pretty heavy topic for several years to be working on. And then during COVID, I just got to draw all these colorful pictures of people having fun. <laughs> at a pool or at the park what a and, transition huh? man yeah and doing it during COVID and just being jealous of the people I was drawing because they were spending time together was <laughs> a fun way to spend that's wonderful and so for those of you listening I love the fact that Tyler took something that she was so passionate about as a kid and able to make that into the work that she was doing. And that's what Anita's doing and Carrie and Jane and myself as well. And so when you're sitting there in school right now, either watching the replay or watching this video, um, and I'm so excited because I think I had told all of our speakers that we had, um, it was either just over a hundred or close to a hundred people sign up, classroom sign up. I want you to know that you can look at what you're good at. What are your talents? Um, you can put your time into those talents and that can be what you do when you're a grown up, whether it's a sport or whether it's, you know, science or technology or reading or writing, you know, develop those talents so that you can do what you love and enjoy every day. I, I know sitting down in this chair is quite easy for me because I get to do what I love. So ladies, does anyone else have um, a story of inspiration? What inspired you maybe to write a specific book? You can um, tell us overall in general or a specific book. Go ahead, Anita. <laughs> so I, with Raja's pet camel, this is uh, set in India, um, which is where my family is originally from. And so when I write, um, when I write fiction, part of what I'm hoping to do is, um, is share a part of myself. I, I'm always very shy um, with spoken conversation, vocal conversation, but um, 
but with writing, I feel like I can share more of myself. It, it's another form of communication and I feel more comfortable with it, you know, um, because if you mess up, you can always erase, <laughs> you know. So um, so with this, um, I'm able to share a part of my culture and um, a part of my childhood. We would go back many summers um, and some winter vacations and visit my grandparents in India. Um, and there, uh, there was always, um, you know, they lived in the desert in, in, in North India, in, in Rajasthan. And it was just a very different way of life uh, over there. There's, it's so full of animals, camels, you know, uh, donkeys, peacocks, so many cows everywhere, you know, always sticking their heads in people's houses and seeing, you know, what's going on if anyone has food. Um, but it, that, that's one reason why I, I write, and that's why I wrote this book, um, is to share a part of my culture and, and um, part of my childhood. Anita can, you, and, Anita, can you share the picture at the festival, one of the festival pictures? Because yes, I actually, yeah. I, 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 um, I, I separated out or identified a couple of pages. Um, we were so here. lucky to um, find an illustrator who's, um, living in India and born and raised in India. So we really are proud of the illustrations for their authenticity. Um, and I especially love the man in the mustache. Yeah, so Parwinder Singh is the illustrator and he lives in India. And I love his, he uses such bright colors. So I was really happy, you know, when I learned that he was gonna be the illustrator. But this is actually based on a, a real fair um, in India, it's called the Pushkar Fair. And they have a camel race there, which um, takes place in this book. And there's also a camel dancing contest and a mustache contest. The men in, in this region of India are really famous for their mustaches. All of them have different kinds of mustaches or beards. Um, and you can see the goat is eating the man's mustache here because the, it, it's, it's funny because um, Raj is telling the, the, this man that goats are nicer. He doesn't want him to buy his camel but the goats eating the mustache. <laughs> so, but yes, it's, um, you know, a sheer different scenes. And then of course, through our, our winter's art um, throughout the book that are, that I remember from my childhood visits to India. Thank you. No, that's wonderful. And, and boys and girls who are listening, I think it's important for you to know whether or not your family is able to travel in a car to different places or in an airplane, you get to travel through books and you are able to go many, many different places in books. Carrie, Jane, or Tyler, does anyone else want to share a story of inspiration that um, goes towards a specific book that you wrote? Go ahead, Jane. I can definitely do that. Um, I'm just going to tell you about the boy who loved everyone because that was inspired completely directly by real life. It's inspired by a real boy. So every week I go and visit a local nursery and I do an art project with the children and I read them a story. And it's just the most joyful part of my week and is also really, really inspiring. So actually my other book, Pink Lion, came from something a little boy said at that class. But this one is really special to me because there was a lovely little boy he was there and he used to just say, I love you to everyone all the time. And I noticed that a lot of people, children and adults, just didn't know quite what, how to respond. You know, they were a little bit embarrassed or they went. So the, the whole story came out of me thinking, well, what would happen if he then went home and just felt really sad and rejected? How can I um, turn that 
into a proper story. And in fact, the other inspiration for this is the film, It's a Wonderful Life, which might seem a bit of a strange inspiration for a children's book, but the kind of central idea that there's a character who feels they've done, everything's gone wrong, they've done nothing, nobody cares about them, and then they're shown that actually they're small, all the small kind things they've done have just made a huge difference in the world so it's like radiating that kindness out so that's where it came from and also so I wrote this one but the illustrations are by Maisie Paradise Shearing and she came to the real nursery and did lots of sketching there no so way. The, the illustrations are for real as well so oh, the teacher here this lady, she's called Olive she's the real teacher it's just so exactly like her and all the little details, like the ladybird cushions, they're all just like the real nursery. So that was the story of that one. And then the real boy came to the book launch oh. with his yeah. mum. That is fantastic. And what a joy. You get to celebrate literacy and illustration through the work that you do there. That's beautiful. Thank you. Carrie or Tyler, do you have a story of inspiration? And boys and girls, I do want to stop before Carrie or Tyler go. Um, I did open up the chat. So if you have any questions, we're going to be moving into our Q&A question and answer time. So the chat gets sent to myself, so it doesn't go out to everyone. Um, but teachers, if your students have questions for our panelists, we would love to hear from you. So go ahead and begin sending over those questions, please. So I can I can share. Um, so my book, Don't Hug Doug, is um, actually based on some feelings that I had when I was young, which is a, one good way that I always uh, think about trying to start a book is like an actual problem that I had when I was young or a problem that I've seen one of my kids have or one of their friends have. Um, and so sometimes when I was young and like relatives or like friends of the family would come over and um, they would want to give me a hug, right? Because they felt like they knew me really well. Um, but it might have been a long time since I saw them and I didn't feel like I wanted to give them a hug because I didn't feel like I knew them well enough to do that. Um, and I've also seen that happen with, with my kids. And sometimes um, my son had a, a friend in preschool who loved to hug everyone. And she was just a big hugger and wanted to hug every other kid in the class. And some of the kids liked it and some of the kids really didn't like it. Um, so I wanted to write a book that would talk about the fact that some people just don't like hugs. And it's not that they don't like you, <laughs> which it actually says in the book. Here's Doug. And it says, Doug, don't worry, Doug likes you. He just doesn't like hugs. And so it talks about all the situations in which um, you might want to give someone a hug, like on their birthday or, you know, if they're feeling sad. But sometimes Doug just doesn't want hugs during that time. Um, and then it asks the question, um, you know, who likes hugs? And there's all these different answers. And when I share this with kids, I like to have them look and think about who on this page like gives the same answer that they would give. Yeah. So sometimes they say, like this guy says sometimes, or she says when I'm sad. Um, this one says, I don't, you know, the porcupine says, I don't like hugs. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I really wanted to just kind of, again, like uh, 
one of the things I love to do is like have a book that um, helps an adult and a child reader have a conversation together. And I thought, you know, this might be the only time that a kid and a, a parent or a grandparent or a teacher have talked about, you know, whether they actually do like hugs. Um, and it might be a good a good conversation to have. Um, so that was kind of the inspiration behind behind that story. And it changed a lot during the writing process, but. <laughs> Fantastic. And you know, we have a couple other things I wanna do before we get to questions. Um, I would love for anyone to share something about their writing process. Um, it can be a tool that you use. It can be a special place that you write. Would anyone like to share about the writing process? Cause it's different for everyone. Tyler, go ahead. I can talk, well, this is more about my illustration process. Great. Um, the writing was really something to just go along with the illustrations in this book. It's a very picture heavy book with just a little bit of writing. But something that I wanted to work on with this book, since it's because, since the book is all about bodies and how all bodies are different, I wanted to make sure that there were as many different kinds of bodies in the book as I could possibly think of so that people who were reading it would be able to find someone that looked a little bit like them. So what I did was I made a whole long list of every kind of skin color you could have. And then I made a long list of every kind of hair texture and every kind of height and size and shape and disability and like uh, little details like birthmarks and freckles and um, and I tried to like pick one thing from each list and then make a character out of it. And um, that's something that can be fun to do even when you're just drawing a picture on your own to um, experiment with drawing all different kinds of people. And you know, seeing other different kinds of people can make you love them more and have more acceptance for people that look really different from you or different from the people that you know. Oh my goodness. So Tyler, you basically had a checklist and you tried to check all the boxes. And I'm not kidding you. That is why this book was a two night book for us. And it could have been <laughs> a seven night book for us because there were so many conversations that came out of it. And I do have to highlight that um, I appreciated you putting disabilities in there. And I think that's really important, um, especially for when children are in the classroom or you're out in public and you're curious and you're afraid to be curious because you're not sure how to ask questions, they can ask those questions in the comfort of their own home and be able to have that conversation and get answers. So thank you for that. Um, we're talking a little bit about process. Does anyone else wanna share on process and then we'll get to our questions? I can share a little bit. Um, one thing that I do, which I know the illustrators, I'm sure I'll do this, but I don't know if all writers do this, is um, I always make a little teeny tiny book, like a book dummy, um, even though I don't draw. So this is one that I made, I don't know if you can read it, but it says Huggable Doug on it, which was the original title of Don't Hug Doug. And I, I print out my text that I'm working on and I write, I draw little tiny <laughs> like stick figures so that I can see as the writer sort of not just not just hear the story in my head, but kind of see how it flows across the pages of the book. And like, where are you going to turn the page? Because in writing a picture book, one of the most important pieces and the thing that makes it really unique is um, is the fact that you turn the pages and that kind of creates this moment of like surprise or suspense 
or um, tension in the story. Um, and that makes it kind of different from like a novel writing, right? Because the novel doesn't really rely on the, the physical act of turning the page. Um, and this is really easy to do. And I always actually show kids this in my in my school visits because all I do is take a piece of paper and like, you know, printer paper and fold it and cut it up. Um, but I like making it small so I can kind of carry it around with me and work on it, you know, wherever I am. So I have it in my bag and whatever I'm working on. And then if I get an idea, I can just write it right on the right on the story itself. That's fantastic. I love that. And being able to work on it wherever you go. That's really a great idea. Like the doctor's office, if you're waiting. Um, Jane, go ahead. We have time. I want to hear about your question. Well, I was just going to show you my notebook. I've got tons and tons of these notebooks and it's like my everything book. So I do drawings in it. I write notes in it. And I'll just show you the beginning of this one. I'm writing a story at the moment that's about an elephant um, that is a bit shy about performing. So I was drawing from YouTube lots of little sketches. It, it was a, um, a baby elephant sort of rolling itself around in the mud. And I just used the book to sort of scribble things out. I mean, there's all sorts of things in there. Some of the pages are just notes or drawing things that are in front of me. And all of these could be used in a book one day. In the story I'm working on, there's also a pangolin with a um, ukulele. So that's just kind of exploring the character through drawing. And I just, I think it's really useful. And I'd say to everyone watching who wants to write or illustrate, just have a little, you know, it could be quite a cheap little book. Have it with you all the time. It's your private space. You can stick things in. If something goes wrong, you can stick something on top. Just use it to get all your ideas down and save them, save them in one place. You, you might only use 10% of it, but it's all, it's gonna be solid gold one day. Oh, and someone is commenting that their um, child loves to keep a notebook next to their bed. Um, oh, wonderful. Crying at nighttime when they can't sleep. That is brilliant. What advice can you give to busy families to encourage literacy? So families who have a lot going on, how can we make time for literacy? So I have, I have uh, twins, <laughs> so and they're in fourth grade. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, my husband and I have been reading to them ever since they were babies. And I'm a firm believer that, you know, kids will, will copy, you know, what adults around them do. So if adults are on their phone, although, I mean, you know, obviously we have to work also, but if, if they're on the phone all the time, um, they'll, they'll, they'll look for a phone. They'll want to use, you know, the iPad or the phone. If they see, you know, parents reading, then they'll, they'll probably choose a book, you know, and it also depends on what you have around the house too. We have, um, you know, we have toys. Um, we do have some iPad time also, <laughs> you know, when they have to do their homework also, but we have lots of books everywhere you look. I mean, they're, they're actually, my husband says we have too many books. <laughs> I don't think there's any such thing, but, um, but they're everywhere. And, and that way they're easily accessible you know, to the kids that they can choose from that. I like that. And if this is a family who spends a lot of time driving from place to place, even putting the books in the car could be a way to encourage um, literacy. And you know, Anita, I will tell you, um, my husband reads every single morning. He likes to read the news and he reads it on his phone. And I finally had a heart to heart with him. And I said, you know what, maybe we could 
get like a subscription to the local newspaper because we do have young children and I know what you're doing on the phone. I get that you're reading, but why don't we show them that instead of them thinking, you know, I don't know what they think dad's doing on the phone. Um, so he actually um, has started buying books instead of the newspaper. And so he's been actually reading books, not just on his phone. Um, so it's something to consider for sure. Uh, someone mentioned that they use books on tape. So, um, which Kendra, I love that you said tape because that's definitely um, dating all of us, right? Uh, what do they call them now? Audiobooks? That's right. <laughs> Books on tape. No, you didn't date yourself because like I knew what you were saying, Kendra. Um, audiobooks. Absolutely. That's a great idea. And you can get them free from your library. And Jane, I'm not sure what it's like in the UK, but our local library. Can, yeah. yeah, if you have a library card, you can use Hoopla, you can use Libby, Overdrive, you can use these free apps to get them, um, download them on your phone and listen as you go. Does anyone else have any advice for busy families or busy? Um, well, I, I would say just build, build it into bedtime right from the start. That there's yeah. a bedtime story and then children are going to grow up loving books. And the other thing I would say is, um, you know, if you're an adult, don't ever tell a child they're too old for a picture book. And if you're a child, don't let anyone tell you you're too old for a picture book. They're for all ages and they can cover quite serious things and there's this I think there's something in picture books for everyone you know what Jane, I I agree and I have some teacher friends who are teaching fourth and fifth grade and they're still reading picture books to their students because you can Good. get through a picture book in about eight to ten minutes they can learn something they can learn strategy and in our own home my seventh grader is in middle school she doesn't read picture books on her own but at nighttime, she comes for story time and it's a time for us to snuggle and be together and she still listens to those stories. So I, I think you're right. You're never too old for a picture book. Yeah. Well, Anita, Carrie, Jane and Tyler, thank you for tuning in from all over the world. It's International Literacy Month. I thank you for your time sharing your talent with all of these amazing kiddos and aspiring writers. And until next time, um, next week, next month, we will be um, celebrating advocacy. So we're going to be talking about books that encourage children to be activists and to speak up for others. Um, so if you're tuning in, you can look out for that. That's, that will be in October. And then in no November, we will be doing a panel on um, sportsmanship. So we'll be talking about books that talk about um, the art of uh, winning and losing. So thank you so much for tuning in. Again, my name is Maria Desmani from Cardinal Rule Press, and we want you to keep on reading and writing, everyone. Have a great day. Cardinal Rule Press offers a variety of support to authors, booksellers, librarians, and families. Find out more at cardinalrulepress.com.